0: You're listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, TJ Melinosky. Reverend Daniel Barkley is in his 12th year of ministry at the Gadsden Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Alabama. In our conversation, Daniel talks about his call into ministry, and we spend some time on the continued question of how to live out that call. One of the major and key themes Daniel keeps drawing from was the church family. A family that extends beyond the shared last names into a kinship and a bond found in the faith community. It is in this family that Daniel finds his purpose and his joy among a people he can serve Alongside with, enjoy this faith journey of Daniel Barkley. Daniel, we were talking off mic and one of your earlier careers was and is an electrician. Uh, You were giving me some advice. Uh, What is it about the electricity and that field that first attracted you to it? I'm pretty limited. If you ask me to wire a building, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it was just something that um, kind of piqued my interest. I guess toward the end of high school, I was in ag classes there at high school, and kind of figured out I, I wasn't going to go to college. Uh, you know, I was young punk, sick of school, that kind of <laughs> thing. So. Uh, <laughs> ended up going to, to, to vocational school, uh, there in Paducah, uh, and, and chose electricity. It was just something that was an interest and just, um, seemed interesting and I I love to work with my hands. Um, and so that provided an opportunity to do that. Um, I think, I don't remember now if I even finished my trade school, but I ended up getting hired on at, uh, uh, they made mobile homes uh in Benton um and I can't call the name of the place now but uh, got to wire these double wide mobile homes so they just had a little line and you wire one section you had particular guy and that was that was fun uh and then got into the union and so then went into the more commercial and and learning all of those kind of things so worked a lot in the hospital there in Paducah worked in some power plants Had it uh the nuclear plant there in Paducah, the steam plant across the river. So those are interesting places to be in um and and to learn. But yeah, I just I love it. anytime I walk into a building and I still do to this day, uh first thing you do is you you look up, especially if it's those things that have exposed ceilings. Yeah. And just look at the work, look at the the conduit runs and that kind of thing. And uh, I'd have done it this way or that looks awesome or it makes you recall some things that that you had done uh, in your career, and just to know, you know, a normal person walks in and and sees a plug on the wall or sees a light switch or sees, um, but to know what's all behind the walls uh, is pretty cool to me. And just to imagine, well, this this is how those wires are run, and um, that creative aspect. I'm not. I don't consider myself a creative person. But that's, I guess, that's an expression of creativity is to be able to do that. Um, and so, I, I loved being an electrician, uh, really did, and I, I would still be doing it. I guess I still tinker with it from time to time. I get, uh, I've got to change out to ballast and a lot of the lights here at church when <laughs> they go bad, and uh, we got this not working. What is it? You know, so I get to fix those kind of things. Um, as part of ministry now uh, mm-hmm. rather than the vocation of uh, of an electrician so um but yeah it's just something that kind of piqued my interest and um, I really enjoyed doing uh, and I like I say I would still enjoy doing it except for um, the Lord called me to do something else
0: all right we'll get into that in a minute I wanted to ask you you said something that was interesting are you able to kind of like observe maybe with the placement of um, uh, the outputs and even how the wiring is run, does that say something about the electrician or the architecture of the building? Cause I, that's not something that I pay any attention to. Are, is, is there a level of creativity? Is it practicality? What is it that you see when you some, look in a building? Some of or it a home? You
1: can see, yeah, some of it you see that, I don't know, I guess it goes to the training that people have had, or the, just the pride that you take in the work that you do, Mm -hmm. especially those things that are going to be seen. But even in those things that are unseen, you know, you, you, uh, one that takes pride in their work, wants, wants all those bins to be perfect and wants everything to line up and spaced correctly. And because those things show, and I guess maybe normal people don't look at that kind of (laughs) stuff, but it, it stands out, you know, when something's out of place. You can, you can tell mm-hmm. when something's not done correctly, it, it just looks funny. Uh, and so to be able to look at things and um, to say, well, I'd have, I'd have done it this way or I'd done it that way, just a part of taking pride in, in what you do and who you are, I guess. It says a lot about the person. If you are mm-hmm. just throwing stuff in willy nilly or uh, you, know, you you'd actually take pride in what you do. Yeah.
0: So, if there was an electrical outlet right next to the light switch, there probably wasn't a lot of pride put into that. <laughs>
1: uh, it just depends. Sometimes, sometimes, like you say, it is the architecture, the you know, the engineer that lays those things out, and, and but sometimes it's just laziness, whatever. <laughs> whatever you you know, you can kind of take your pick. Yeah, is it practical or is it lazy?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't have that eye um, for, uh, the outlets, light switches, uh, the electrical nature. Um, I just look at it from a expectation point of view, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I just want to be able for it to, to work, work properly, work consistently. Yeah. That's the only yeah. time I and think of the electricity. Most people's
1: expectations are. When you, when you go to that light switch, I want to flip it and the light come on. <laughs> that's That's right. what it's supposed to do. Um, and so to be able to, but the cool thing is, is to be able to figure out, well, it didn't come on, why didn't it? And then be able to trace that down and fix those kind of things is um, something I still enjoy doing. It's, it gets frustrating at times because sometimes you can't really figure it out. <laughs> but, um, I, I'm one of those people that I, I, I want to be hands-on and I want to know how it works. And, and if I can't figure it out, I, I'm kicking myself for days you know, laying there in the night trying to figure something, run it in my head. I'll do this as soon as I get over there, you know, to try to figure it out. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that says more about me than.
0: <laughs> well, I I believe there's some parallels there, I, because if you look at it from a theological point of view, you know, the puzzles of the faith, you know, the questions and the mysteries of the faith and be able to kind of work on those in your brain, There is probably some similarities in terms of troubleshooting, you know, uh, electrical work, because essentially you're trying to follow the thread or the wire, you know, from point A to point B. How did we get here? What is the break? You know, what was the thought process? Um, Metaphorically, at least, I would say that there is some parallels between (laughs) theological thinking and the mind of an electrician.
1: That very well could be, Uh, yeah. Uh, Jesus said, "We are the light of the world," right? So, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) go
0: let your light shine before men. That's right. All right, but you have to have a little boost to provide light. (laughs) That's right. The Holy Spirit power. That's right. Daniel, did you grow up in the Paducah, Kentucky area? Is that a place that you would I did, call uh, home?
1: Born and raised in Paducah, um, just outside of it anyway. Um New Hope, Cumberland Presbyterian Church is my home church out yeah, just a little old country church. I think I'm something like six generations in that church, six or seven, something, you know, as far back as they could kind of trace. So it's one of the older congregations there. So um yeah, that's that's my hometown. lived there until the Lord said go, uh, and didn't want to go. But uh, <laughs> you try to do all those things that well, I don't want to go here. I don't want to. And the Lord says, "Yeah, you will." So you, you have to be uh, willing to do what God says. So that's we've kind of journeyed south since then. But uh, mm-hmm. that's that's home, and I always will be, I suppose.
0: So what's it like growing up in? just the one church and and then having that family history not everybody is able to to kind of say that but to be able to grow up and run through the hallways of the church or the sanctuary and know where the rocks are located around the you know the property and the trees to hide behind and and uh, the fond memories of of Sunday school teachers and vacation bible school teachers uh, there's a richness there. Um, talk more about that in terms of the the importance of growing up in in essentially a real Christian family, a covenant family, a church family.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it's I guess began with my my parents and uh, they're active and 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 we were there anytime the doors were open. We were there, um, and so yeah you got me thinking running around the halls of the church New Hope has a, a basement and and sometimes it gets water in it or used to kind of maybe get floody or musty or so I just as a kid that's a dark dank kind of almost scary place because it's a you know hundred and fifty year old building or whatever mm-hmm. it is and so <laughs> we as kids you run all around the rooms and whatnot and Um, but even you discover things like there's a, there used to be, I don't know if it still is a a headstone of somebody that got purchased and stored under the church and then never got placed out in to the cemetery. Uh, but just to know that that's in that little cross space there, I can picture it right now where it is. (laughs) Um, it's scary and then thrilling to kids to be able to run around and (laughs) (laughs) discover those kind of things at church.
0: Yeah, a cemetery, and I, cemetery
1: and across the road. And, um, and it's, I mean, that, that was my family church, uh, aunts, uncles, uh, extended family, grandparents, family, you know, that's there. So it's, it's just family and, mm-hmm. and they still are. I don't, you know, a lot of those have passed on, but even the people that weren't blood related, they're still your family because mm-hmm. that's, that's just what a church is. Uh, and so I know that, you know, there's there's people there at home I can I can call on today. I hadn't seen them in 20 years, but mm. you know, they're, they're they're family because that's what I grew up in as as part of that faith family, uh, where everybody kind of you were pulling in the same direction. You know, um, help help these kids um, come into their own faith and uh, and just repeat that generation after generation.
0: Yeah. I don't think a headstone is something that you would just tuck up underneath your arm and pull (laughs) back out of a crawl space and carry it up the stairs back outside. That may be, that may have been there a long time and it may be there yet for even a longer time, (laughs) but there is a sort of a mystery, you know, of, of our church uh, structures. And I think, I think that um, small children don't, they don't miss that. They know, you know, that, There's great places to hide and play games, and um, I think for for those who come to the faith later, and part of the covenant community later, you know, there's things there that could be missed, you know, to be able to grow up in an environment that provides accountability and love at the same time. There's something unique to that. Absolutely. All right, Daniel. So we've been talking about being at New Hope and and you growing up in Paducah. So the little Daniel, the young Daniel, what were you dreaming about being as you uh, were to become an adult? What did you want to be?
1: Oh, I'm, I should I should be playing in Major League Baseball right now. <laughs> uh, that, that was <laughs> that was my goal. Unfortunately, uh, somebody said it the other day. Uh, um, all I liked was athletic ability. I think that was my only drawback from being able to go to the pros, (laughs) but that, you know, just a typical kid, um, not thinking of, of serious things actually, but, you know, be the, be the baseball player star or, you know, whatever those, those kind of things through my head. Um, like I said, even, even in the teenage years, I don't, I don't know that I really ever had a direction of thinking this is what I'm supposed to do or going to do, uh, it just kind of, Oh, this is interesting. So I'll go that way. Um, um, and now, I, well, should I have done this or should I have done that? You look back and, and wonder those kind of things, but, um, even if, uh, as I've gotten into ministry and, you know, going to, to Bethel, um, you know, I was, my one goal was to, to, get that piece of paper to say that I could go on to MTS and then get that piece of paper to say that I could be ordained, you know, that's kind of the, my approach and, um, kind of regret some of that now because, you know, with, with, at least for Bethel, um, you know, maybe I could have gotten teaching degree or, you know, Mm. math degrees, some of those things that were interesting to me, but that really wasn't on my mind at the moment. Um, I took a lot of biblical classes because that, that was what I was going into and one very interesting and don't regret that at all. But, um, you know, I, I know and understand as, as part of our church, I'm blessed here at this church uh, to be able to to, to be full time. Uh, but there's a lot of places that aren't. And so what do you have uh, that you can turn back to as kind of a bivocational work that that you would do? So. You know, I've, I'm pretty involved in our school system here now as a substitute teacher. And I guess I've done that my whole time in ministry, wherever we've been, kind of being in, in the school. Um, and so there's there's days that I've kind of wished that I, I had pursued some kind of a teaching degree, you know, so that I could uh, be there as well. But there's a lot of ministry that can happen, even as somebody that pops in and pops out as a substitute or mm-hmm. uh, help coach, or you know, just be a presence there for some of these kids that maybe not their mean teacher or whatever that they're <laughs> afraid of, but you can be the uh, <laughs> the fun substitute, even though I'm probably not, but uh, <laughs> you know, the guy that just to pop in every once in a while and um, just hope to provide some. Of joy and happiness to, to these kids that you know, a lot of them don't get to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really see it as part of an extension of, of the ministry of, of the church and church allows me to do that through the week to go and to be part of the school. And uh, I love to do that. So, but yeah, kind of looking young Daniel, probably never, never dreamed of being where old Daniel is today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. They're, it's quite an honor to be able to work and uh impact young people's lives uh even if it is uh substitute teaching because you have the opportunity you've got 6 to 8 hours a day to be able to to uh be an example um yeah help with education and just sort of model uh, model, Hey, when days are bad, it's not the end of the world. And when days are good, uh, absorb it while they're there, you know, and, yeah, and we can do that with, uh, well, we can do it with words, but we can do it with our actions as well. Daniel, I had a similar path. I had a wise person when I was at, in college, uh, in terms of, uh, and then for my call to ministry, uh, Uh, gave wise and sage advice of, you know, you ought to get a teaching degree while you're at college. And as you're pursuing, you know, you're called to ministry. And I ignored that wise advice. And there's been times in my, my uh, adult uh, vocations and career and pathways where, um, I wish that I wasn't so driven probably because of sports a little bit, but also called a ministry uh, to go fast, 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 to accomplish, accomplish, achieve, achieve, to get out there and to do uh, what I understood as the mission, God's mission. And and I didn't savor necessarily those moments of educational opportunities. Uh, I did what was needed, try to do well, but I didn't really live in it, and it wasn't until after I was done with school <laughs> that, that I, I went back and started to live in, in the literature and, um, uh, the scriptures and in the, in the field that I was studying in. So I hear you on that. And I, I do, I think it comes from the partly comes from the athletic background of, uh, earn this, accomplish this.
1: Yeah this is the goal that you have set now do what, do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like what you said there because that's, I, that was my mindset too. Uh, the, okay. God's called me to, to preach. I'm gonna so I, I've got to get a, B and C done so I can go do that. Yeah.
0: Or,
1: yeah. Even do, you're preaching while you're doing those things, but that's the ultimate. And then you get on the other side of it and there's life. And yeah, Life is not so uh, laid straightforward and, and laid out like that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and then you're involved in other people's lives, and you're walking in the midst of those things where you do have to slow down and just, uh, as you said, savor the moment of those those times that you get to share with people. You're you're with people in their most intimate and mm-hmm. uh, you know challenging times uh, of their lives, uh, and so. You you can't always push and rush to uh, an end uh, like uh, you would with a, a college degree or what you know those kind of things. You got to like you said sit, sit back and savor that moment that you're in.
0: Yeah, I old old TJ would be ignored by a young TJ. <laughs> well, and part of it was, um, and, and maybe Daniel, you can speak speak to this. Is you know I was so excited to embark on ministry and, and all of its benefits, you know, the word and the sacraments. And so the educational process was fun and certainly helpful. uh, but I wanted to get through that so that I could fulfill the calling that was placed upon me. And, uh, I'm glad I had that passion still do. I'm glad I had that excitement still do, but I do think it provided where I miss some opportunities of going, this is really, really a cool experience. Yeah. And if you blink, you're going to miss it. I don't know if I could hear that, but looking back and go, ah, I should have savored that a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Um, I got to thinking that, you know, so... Coming, the call to ministry was, you know, as as later on wasn't something I felt as a teenager, at least that I understood to be that it, you know maybe the Lord was pulling in that direction, and I mm-hmm. just wasn't bright enough to to see that. And I certainly see that, you know, later on in in my journey. But so coming into ministry was, you know, a second career, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. And so going to, to Bethel was a second career. It was we didn't uh, went to vocational school at high out a high school to be to go into the trades. Uh, so I had to go and get that degree. And so we're there as as parents, and and here you're here with eighteen year old kids now, uh, and they're looking at you. Even though we're not that much older than them at the time, we're the old people and sitting in their classes. Uh, but you know, we we did get to you know include them as our, in our family as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, bring these 18 year old kids who are away from home and let them come to our house and have supper one night or whatever, and kind of be mom and dad to them. And uh, some of them uh, can look at you and consider that way. So you, you you cherish those moments as well, even though it's like tried to rush through and get as quick as possible because the goal was God called me into ministry and I fought it for a long time, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) <laughs> and I finally said, okay, you know, now I'm all in on it now. So let me, let me go do the steps I'm supposed to do to. But you, if in that mindset, you kind of miss the beauty of where you're in and along, along that journey as well, I guess. So yeah. at times we were bright enough to, to figure that out to stop and cherish those moments. But other times, uh, you know, I, just, like I said, rush through um, rather than, and just enjoying what what was what the Lord was bringing us to in that moment.
0: When you were growing up in the New Hope Church, was there a moment? Um, you know, I've had several guests on Cumberland Road, and for some, there's been kind of like uh, the relationship with God through Jesus Christ has almost been osmosis, because you're in the covenant community your entire life. Uh, what was your experience like? Did you had, have a, an epiphany moment, a lightning bolt experience, uh, or was yours just through, as you came into the faith, more of an osmosis moment where it was just like, yes, I've been engrafted into this family, and now I just want to profess what I've been believing and taught and living all along? How did the, yeah. What did that look like for you, Daniel? Um, almost kind of a, a little bit of both, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: certainly, there growing up, you know, you had wonderful Sunday school teachers and, and pastors. Uh, I was just trying to, I was thinking of some brother Rudolph, I don't remember his first name because I was young, but I do remember him jiggling his keys and his change in his pocket as he preached. And he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he came after you preaching, very, uh, very passionate in his preaching. and. I uh, remember that as a young child, and then Brother Wayne Wyman uh, there ministering. He was uh, there, uh, I think, on an interim basis. He would pretty well retired by that point, but still going to these churches who were in between pastors. And um, it was while he was there that I had that epiphany moment, I guess you'd say. Um, there's a couple of events I remember um, going to church camps certain uh, coming back from a church camp. You know, you got Brother John Shelton Frank McCollum, who just passed away not long ago, and uh, David Laneve and some of those guys that were there and pouring into the ministry of these camps and young people. Um, and so hearing that message, that gospel message at camp and coming back and knowing that I needed that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is what I've been taught, and but I needed to profess that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember another moment that's kind of away from the church, but you know, with my parents, we're in a hotel room somewhere, uh, watching, uh, just TVs on whatever was, well, the power team. Do you remember the power team, uh, that, you know, they would bend bars of steel or tear phone books in half and that, uh, but they'd share the gospel as part of that. Right. Um, and so that was on one day, just mindlessly watching, uh, and just knowing and hearing that gospel message again, and being there with my mom and being able to, say you know profess that need of christ and Mm -hmm. let her and she walk me through that so but that's all part of the the faith family as you said you you grow up in it you're immersed in it um and it's ingrained in you as well by your parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and sunday school teachers and uh that just pour into you um and then they get the joy of seeing the fruit of their labor i guess you'd call it theirs uh, as they work to be those examples that we're called to be. So, cherish moment there in church. Brother Johnny Watson came shortly after that. Brother got to marry his daughter. Uh, that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> while they were uh, there with us. But, you know, he was there, I guess, during those formative years of uh, early teen, teenage years. Uh, so still consider him a, a wonderful mentor. and. Uh, and certainly kind of related now through marriage <laughs> as well. But, um, brother, uh, Jeff Biggs <clears throat> came later on as a, trying to figure out a, a call into ministry and work through that. And, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, I guess is, as how it said, but you know, the, we had gone to my wife's church, uh, after we had married, we lived closer to it. So we went there, but then, um, after four or five years, we we felt a calling to come back to my home church, hmm. uh, which was it was a commitment. It's forty five minute drive to church every day, every time, you know. And, uh, rather than ten to the <laughs> to her church, but you know, we really felt the Lord calling us back there, and then um, so we obeyed that, uh, even maybe not understanding fully what was going on. Then, okay, will you be a Sunday school teacher? Well, I'm I'm not a teacher. I'm I'm an electrician. But I'll teach Sunday school, so I'm teaching these first through third graders and, <laughs> you know, just sit down and, and share the gospel with them right? mm-hmm. through these stories of the Bible. Okay, well, that, the Lord's called me to that. That's great. Well, then eventually being called as an elder of the church and um, even pretty young, but you don't call young people to be elders, right? But, um, I, I, you know, looking back, it's it's the Lord leading uh, through that experience the whole time and um, getting to go with uh, I had a good group of, of friends, uh, men my age and a little older that uh, we'd go to promise keepers events and those mm-hmm. kind of things together and uh, it was it was at one of those uh, we were in St Louis, Missouri uh, where they play hockey uh, in that stadium there um sitting uh, I can still sit I could probably take you to the seat. We were up at the very top of this thing um, and had this little booklet, you know, and the guys preaching and hearing a lot of good word. But um, one of those questions is, what do you feel God calling you to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we certainly know there's God calls lots of people to do lots of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was almost as if someone took my hand and wrote preach. Mm. Uh, no, I, that's not me. I, I'm not a preacher. I don't like people. Uh, why am I being called into ministry? Um, but, but um, you know, I think right there it was kind of the first time it, admitting to myself that this is where the Lord was leading me. And it still took me, you know, several more months before I finally broke down, told my wife uh, what I was feeling, what I was dealing with. And her response is, well, it's about time. Uh, <laughs> she, and I don't know that she knew this, particularly that I was being called in to, to preach, but she knew God was dealing with my heart
0: mm-hmm.
1: with something. Because that's what spouses do, you know, yeah. they, they, know their, <laughs> they know their spouses. So um, she and my sister-in-law, um, you know, had been praying relentlessly for me to figure out what God was calling me to. Did
0: and, you know uh, that? Did you know they were praying no, for you?
1: No, not, not till after the fact. Um, and so that's, that's something special that I'll cherish as well. Uh, they were right there with me trying to figure out this call into ministry and <clears throat> finally just letting go and saying, okay, God, <laughs> Yes. And what does that look like now uh, And so
0: that's a big question.
1: an interesting journey yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's what's it look like now? And so uh, there I, I, I was a, a full-time electrician loved what I did, but uh Jeff Biggs uh, when I when I went to tell him what God was what I was dealing with and what God was I think God's calling me to, he said, if you can do anything else, with your life and be happy <laughs> do that uh, and i've cherished that uh that little piece of advice because i couldn't uh yeah. even though i loved my job it wasn't fulfilling right uh, i loved being a father and a husband but that's not that's not fulfilling because our ultimate identity and fulfillment comes in christ and so uh, this is what he was calling me to, and I still don't understand it even today. Uh, I'm no, I'm no great speaker. I, I stutter and stammer, and don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but yet, God is God calls people like that all the time, right? Because it's in His power, not in ours. And so uh, it, that He can use us uh, how He sees fit, he, despite our flaws and our failures.
0: It's hard to articulate a calling, a calling not just into ministry, the word and sacrament, but a calling to other aspects of ministry. For those who know or are observers from the outside, they see, oh, here's this individual with a family, um, a secure job, um, you know, uh, grown up in the in the vicinity, you know, all these little check boxes that would be perceived as in having it together or pointing towards contentment and, but inside there's another layer or level of contentment and pools. We, I think we feel pools and for many people that pooling is into ministry and then, but how do you describe that to somebody who, who uh, would have difficulty understanding and especially if we don't have the right words to articulate it? Yeah. So what a big leap. So let's talk about the leap from relocating from the Paducah, Kentucky area into West Tennessee um, in the McKenzie, Tennessee area, Carroll yeah. County.
1: Well, that's uh, that's another blessing of God because, um, like I said, I, I'm an electrician, but now uh, came under the care of of Covenant Presbytery there uh, in that. Um, you know, God, God give a, <laughs> I remember coming home, I was on midnights uh, and the Lord gave me a, a sermon. I couldn't go to sleep that I come home at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. Couldn't go to sleep. had this on my heart. So I had to get out and uh, get up and write this message that God uh, had given me. And so uh, a few months later, we're without a pastor and, and I'm given the opportunity as an elder to, to fill the pulpit that day. Okay, well, that's done and over, you know. <laughs> uh, but then that kind of thing just kept happening, uh, as as the Lord kept pushing and calling, and and so admitting that. Uh, so when we finally do admit that, you know, and and go all in to this is what God's calling to, say, so, well, I, now I've got to go to, got to go to college, get my degree, so I can go to seminary because I didn't have that. So, um, came and visited Bethel and. Uh, you know, they're, they're great with uh, ministerial candidates that mm-hmm. they provide uh, a scholarship for you to attend. Um, so there's, you know, wouldn't have been able to do that without that. Um, and so that's, God has lined that up. Well, if we're going to go to Bethel, I don't want to drive an hour and a half or two hours back and forth to class every day of the week. So uh, what what are we going to do? Well, uh, my, my dad had just died. We we buried him on June 30th of 2005. And uh, that was the day he passed away. Anyway. And a week later, Wendell Ordway showed up at, at my mother's house. We were still there with her. And he said, well, I've got a, I don't know why the Lord has brought me here, but there's a little church in, in Trenton, Tennessee that they need a pastor. Uh, and I think you'd be a good fit. I I'm just now figuring out this call into ministry right but um so we went down there um and and had a trial sermon <laughs> and somehow they said this okay this will be tolerable uh, <laughs> and uh, so so uh right there God provided uh, a, a, an income for our family mm-hmm. uh and provided a house. And I, I was telling you earlier that it's the most beautiful manse I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's huge. It's two stories and um, four bedrooms. And um, they added a little bathroom upstairs for our kids to use. And so uh, just a beautiful church, beautiful setting and beautiful people. And God provided all that for us uh, there when we're trying to figure out, okay, we're going to go to school, but what are we going to do? How are we going to earn a, our live? We're looking at being, you know, RAs at the in a dorm room and having three kids in a dorm room. You know, whatever it'll take. But but God provided that, Uh and so David uh, Davidson Chapel will be always cherished in in our hearts as uh you know, they they took us in and and let me preach for. And like I said, they tolerated that for <laughs> uh, while while I went through Bethel and and MTS and um then the Lord called us to come on down to, to Gadsden here. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, God has just provided it every, every time we think we have an an objection, uh, there God is So well, will here, here's the answer to your objection. Right. Um, I, I think back to, to, to Moses and the scriptures and God calling him there at the burning. Well, what about this? Well, I, uh, well, and God had an answer every at every step. And, you know, that was my experience as well. Hmm. Coming into ministry,
0: you've been serving the Gadsden Cumberland Presbyterian Church since you've been ordained, yes, and so you we're looking at twelve plus years, Daniel, what do you think the um the benefits are for longtime pastorate uh, from your perspective as a minister, but also from the perspective of the congregation
1: well I- being here it's just, I'm I'm part of this family. You know, we talked about my my home church is, is family. This this church is family. Uh and they've included us in into their family and incorporated us into their family. And so uh you know we've got twenty grandmothers out there for our kids <laughs> and uh, <laughs> moms and dads for us and yeah you know they they invite you in, take you in. And so in that, in, in being here a longer time, you get to journey with people. Uh, it's more than just, uh, okay, we're going to preach and, and be here a couple years and move on. You're now part of their lives. Um, uh, and they're part of our life. So uh, that's, that's special, uh, to have people invite you into their most intimate moments and challenging moments of their lives. And just to be able to walk through that with them, um, you get to know, know your people more. And so as the Lord continues to to speak and, and give messages, uh, you're speaking to your own family out there, right? Yeah. Uh, as we encourage to go out and then to, to share this gospel message with, uh, our community and world around us. Um, That's that's definitely a a benefit of of being uh, here 12 years now, uh, and it's just flown by. Um, And, you know, we've had people reach out, would you be interested in going here or there? uh, This church needs somebody. And and my answer has been every time, I just don't think God's done with us here yet. Um, This is, God's still moving and working um, and Say all that, and they may at the next session meet and say you got thirty days to get out of here. I don't know. Um, uh, like I said, they're, they're they're tolerating poor preaching as well, but um, uh, somehow we we still stick together because because there is that family aspect, and that's what the Cumberland Church is to me. It's it's family. I, I love going to to General Assembly, whether I'm a commissioner or not, just to go and to. To see you, and you know, you see all these people that are your brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world. Um, and you know, we, if you find yourself in Colombia for some reason and need somewhere to go, we've got people we can reach out to, you know, um, in Japan and all. You know, all it's just crazy it, uh, wherever we are in, in the United States. Uh, um, no, no one would hesitate to bring you in to, to, to house you, to feed you, whatever it is, uh, because we're family. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about about our denomination and our church. Uh, one of the things I love most about it.
0: I think about that sometimes, Daniel. You know, I travel a lot, and when I'm on the road, I think about, you know, if something happened to me here, or the car that I'm driving, or if I'm stuck in an the airport, there may be a Cumberland Presbyterian who knows a. Uh, who may live in that town or in that area, or knows of someone that, you know, it was like, if I ever really did not want to sleep on the floor of an airport, or, <laughs> or if, you know, the car was truly, truly like non-functioning, there probably is somebody directly or through somebody that would fling open their doors or sit on the side of the road with me or or um, spend some time with me just to pass, you know, for a long layover on an, in, at an airport or a delay. And that's really comforting for me, you know, to be able to know that there is people out there who maybe I haven't even met yet, uh, or maybe you have and they've been tolerating me, but tolerating me enough to be able to open up their home or share their time with me. And right. That, that's a that's unique. And I, I think that's one of our many unique features, even for a smaller denomination. Mm. Not we're not quite as small as I think we make ourselves out to be. <laughs> and certainly have big hearts.
1: Absolutely.
0: You have the blessing to be able to uh, serve a church full-time and then you are also very active in the school system so let's talk about the opportunities that you have to impact people's lives and and by proxy you are sharing your faith and you're sharing your faith with people who are seeking Uh, their identity, they're exploring, they're just trying to figure out who they are and how they fit into this world. Um, What's that like for you, Daniel? Uh, And, and also describe the sport that you're connected with and the opportunity to substitute from regularly and from time to time.
1: Yeah. Um, I look at it as an extension of, of my ministry. Um, You know, it's, it's, putting boots on the ground, as you'd say, and, and going out into the community and, and serving and just being a part of, of the community where you are, not, not hiding behind a desk all day and wondering, well, who's the preacher there? Uh, well, they, they know, <laughs> not because of anything, you know, wonderful sermons or whatever, but it's because I'm just there and present and, and a part of uh, part of that community. And so that's what I get to do substituting. And there's been times uh, I think we had first talked to a couple years ago. Well, at that time I was filling in a whole semester for, uh, for somebody that was on maternity leave. So, and I got to be there with those kids every day and uh, we got to read Romeo and Juliet together. How fun is that? <laughs> uh, but, so, uh, but, but just to be there and be a, be a constant presence in their lives when when you know that there's some that just they come to school to get away from the chaos, uh, you know, of of home and home life. And, you know, there's lots of kids that have have the blessing of both parents at home and and are loved and are cherished. But there's uh, that many more that, you know, single parent homes or bouncing back and forth between homes or or whatever. And so you get to be a, just a, a, a light that that shines in their life for, for just a, a brief moment. Uh, We have a little moment of silence before, uh, as the day begins there at school, you know, you say the pledge, you have a moment of silence, but my prayer every time during that is, um, just let me be a witness for Christ in this classroom and to these kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I appreciate that opportunity. I get to do that. And then, uh, I serve on our athletic foundation board, so get to be involved in all the, you know, the aspect of sports with the kids. I, I love sports. You know, talked about being a baseball player when I was little, but you know, I get to work in the concession stand, and I'm good at slinging nachos. Man, I can make a <laughs> nacho, uh, nacho cheese. That was that's my job back there in the concession stand on Friday nights for football. And, um, but then my, my wife is a teacher there also, and she coaches uh, volleyball. She's coached bas- basketball in the past, and and I she lets me be a part of that too. And so I'm I'm her assistant volleyball coach, um, and and that's just fun. It's a fun sport, and but you get to be around these young ladies that are that are trying to 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 grow to to learn, and and you get to be an example. My wife and I get to be an example of. This is what marriage looks like. This is what somebody that, that loves you looks like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids are trying to figure that out in, in school and they have lots of different, uh, images of what love is. Well, we get to model that, mm-hmm. uh, as, as coaches for them. And they get to see that, and, you know, they, we were with, uh, playing some volleyball, this, in our summer stuff this past week. And, and one of the little girls was telling another, uh, about, uh, the way that I asked my wife to marry me, you know, and it's, it's no great story. It's probably the lamest one ever, but you know, they get to laugh at me as part of that, but, but they know us and they, uh, and they've seen for, you know, we've been together for 30 years now, right. And high school sweetheart. I tell those girls all the time, boys are stupid. You don't need boyfriends, (laughs) Uh, but, and so they laugh because most of them have boyfriends, but um but you 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 mentioned the word identity um and that's what we get to be and that's what I get to witness to our identity is not in boys it's not in girls it's not in um you know a, a sport that we play even though it's something that we love and it's not in our school but our identity is in Christ and that's we are who he's he's called us to be and made to be and, um I've got a FCA shirt on here today. We just had a, a a little banquet to kick off the school year fellowship of Christian athletes. And um, just to be able to go in and, and be a part of that. And before school meet with kids and and just to share the gospel story and share that our identity comes in him. It's uh, uh, in Christ and Christ alone. And everything that we do uh, is to be, is to glorify him. And so uh, as we work as a team, um, you know, we we play for the team, the name that's on our chest, right? The, you know, our school there, but, um, but further than that and for our community and uh, that everybody can take pride in that. But um, even as we conduct ourselves, remember first and foremost, our identity is in Christ. Uh, and so that's uh, tell our boys all the time uh, growing up remember who you are. Remember who you represent, not only in your your last name, your family name, right, but in the name that we get to bear as children of God. Uh, we're called Christians. It's right there in the name. Uh, that's who we represent, and so uh, I get to share that message then with with all these kids in, in school as well. Uh, remember who you are, and be who he's made you to be, uh, value yourself as he values you, uh, look at yourself like God looks at you, right? So, uh, it's a wonderful message to be able to, to share with, with those kids, um, uh, as, as I get to, to go and be a, be a minister in the community. Um, we have a little ministerial association, uh, here in town, several different churches, and, and we work well together, uh, whether it's a Baptist church, Presbyterian, or um, non-denominational, or Church of God, or whatever it is, we we have a common goal, and that's to bring Christ to, to our community and, and into the world, and so um, I appreciate those opportunities that God's given me, and I appreciate this church letting me to go to do that, because uh, I know not everywhere does that, that, you know, that. We want you in the office from eight to five every day, and uh, well, that's not where ministry happens, uh, in in my opinion. That works for some, I guess, but um, I, I've appreciated the opportunity to go uh, and and to represent Christ uh, in our community. And you know, we, we, as a church here, we've taken it even extended that to the world. We've partnered with a church in Haiti uh, now as part of our ministry and missions, and. Uh, just to, to see them grow and to, to help being able to, to, to be a ministry and partner to them, uh, has been a huge blessing for us. Um, and so we, we get to live out what, what God asked us to do. Go be my witnesses, right? Um, not only in your hometown in your own church, but, but throughout the world. Um, and that's as I've continued to to wrestle with my call, because here it is 20 years later and I still wrestle with it. There's still uh, like the little joke that, you know, the, the wife has to tell you, but you're the pastor. You have to go to church today. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I still, still wrestle with that sometimes because that's where that self doubt creeps in. And, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know why God called me and he should have called it, but yet, I have a wonderful wife that reminds me of of who I am, right that same reminder that I try to give to these other people. I have to be reminded of that myself. Yeah. Uh, so thank the Lord for my partner in ministry and my wife and uh and this church that that we we hold each other accountable to that, right uh, And so we get to share that message not only here but throughout the world. and what a privilege and honor that is uh, that God gives us to to be able to do that.
0: Daniel, well, I was wondering um you know, I've been around you a few times. I think you're uh I think one of the things we have in common that is both a little shy. Um I'm glad you're not being shy now. Got you really <laughs> fired up and being able to share. Could you talk about the importance and how you balance between ministry and family and occasionally your other vocation as well cuz that that requires a lot of time ministry family coaching substitute teaching how do you do it and how do you care for yourself
1: uh my wife and I we we got us a camper this year a <laughs> little travel trailer okay uh, pop-up camper or is it no it's a it's a regular uh, travel trailer 30 foot or something like that and um place enough for us to to say okay kids we're going to the beach this week mm-hmm. whoever can come be with us come be with us because that's kind of way you know our our oldest two sons are married and um otis has a little uh baby of his own 18 16 months old or so and our our middle son is expecting a child here uh, at the end of August. So we're looking for that and we're having a baby shower for him here at church tomorrow. So right. that's awesome. So, so our, our youngest son is a, a senior in college down at Troy. So, and he's in busy, uh, with involved in campus ministry. He, he went down to school a month early just so he could be there for, you know, the freshman orientation stuff and be a representative of his Christian group that's there on campus. And, uh, they're gone this week to weekend to some conference up in nashville uh, so he's very involved in that and so uh, we're busy but our kids are busy too so we we have to identify those times uh, okay we're going to get away mm-hmm. uh, just go chill out at the beach for a week or wherever um, and who can come come and so we we got us a little camper so we can go to these campgrounds and the kids come and enjoy time together and uh, and that's. That's what we try to do: is just get away every once in a while when we, when the opportunity arises, and um, as you said, just to care for yourself, just to go veg out with, read a book on the beach, or or, or do nothing at all, sit there and fall asleep to the ocean waves, uh, <laughs> which is my favorite thing to do. Uh, uh, but it's it's just those times you can sit there and enjoy uh, God's creation. Uh, I still marvel every time looking out over the ocean uh, and how big it is and then you think how big the world is and you look up at night and how big the universe is and yet he still loves me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Yeah.
0: Uh so incomprehensible.
1: Yeah, in some uh, ways. So, you know, we've we've had opportunity the last uh, uh over the last couple months to to take a couple of trips like that and uh just to Chill out for a while and just recharge the batteries, I guess you'd say, uh, before the school season starts again.
0: Yeah. You'll be full force in the next couple of
1: weeks. Yeah. It starts, <laughs> uh, well, it's already kind of started this week, but really ramping up when August gets here. So yeah.
0: let's talk about the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, um, some of its strengths, and if there's any areas that our church is missing from your perspective.
1: Well, I think we already hit on um, the biggest strength to me is, is that connection on nature, uh, the family aspect of it. And even, you know, we, we can go to general assembly and, and disagree about things, but at the end of the day, you're still family. Uh, we're still there to, to hug on and love one another and sit down and enjoy breakfast with someone that may be on the opposite side of an issue of of you, whatever it is that's the being debated at the moment. But you're still family because, because of this church. And so that's very special uh, to me. Um, what can we work on? I think it goes back to just what we've been talking about, remember, remember who we are, remember what, who God has called us to be, remember his blessings, uh, that he pours out on, just preached last week, uh, uh, in Romans 8, and, and all of those wonderful promises that, uh, you know, Paul talks about that are there, uh, you know, if God's for us, who can be against us? Hmm. Uh, we've, and that FCA message, message we've been given victory through Christ Jesus our lord that's who we are that's our identity that's the promise that god is is bringing us to completion um that that gift of everlasting life co heirs with christ in that gift um sometimes i think we forget that we we get bogged down in in worldly things and worldly issues that um Try to come in and steal our joy, steal the hope that we have, uh, because when we start putting our hope in politicians or issues or any other thing, we're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and so if we if we think that's who we are, we're missing the mark. Uh, but God's got a standard. God's got his word that he gives to us. And uh, from the first word to the last, it's God's word. Um and it's a gift to us that we can know more about Him, uh, even as we, you know, you, you said your word was incomprehensible there. As we understand, we're never going to understand <laughs> right. all there is about God, um, but you know, sometimes I think we we shift our eyes off of of the goal, and rather, you know, Hebrews twelve there, fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, he is our hope. Uh, he is our victory. He is. Uh, and God's God's bringing us to that and so we can remember those um, fruits of the spirit, you know love joy, peace peace, all of those things that God has given to us that that we forget from time to time and maybe even every day and so we have to remind ourselves and let the Lord remind us uh, that's not you uh, this is who I've made you to be. this is what I've called you to do. Uh, I've called you into everlasting life. Uh, So take joy in that, take hope in that and, and share that message with, with those around you, because we know this world needs that hope as well.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said, I was going to add that to, to that as well. Just, um, you know, an area for improvement is to take that joy. You talk about promise, you talk about gifts and, and share it. It is, it is ours not in terms of ours in a possession, but as it's news to share with others because of Mm -hmm. the joy that it gives the life that it gives. Um, so yeah, I was just going to add to it, but so now you're just listening to my commentary of what you just (laughs) said.
1: (laughs) Uh, I, I, I appreciate all that you've said here because that's going back to, to trying to figure out a call. That's, uh, I'm supposed to preach about Jesus. I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm no, you know, great evangelist. I don't. I don't pack out stadiums, but <laughs> I can, <Right. laughs> I can still tell the good news of the gospel.
0: Yeah,
1: and I can go and live that out in the community, even if I'm not, you know, in my suit and tie. I'd much rather be in t-shirt and shorts and in a gym. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but even there. I can live out the message of Christ uh, and the hope that we have in him uh, when we're disappointed in the outcome of a game or, you know, if it's a tragedy in the community, you, you, whatever, you can be present mm-hmm. and, and to share that hope.
0: And I think one for us as a denomination and individually as well, one of our greatest strengths is the ability to share the good news. And it may not be in a packed out stadium. But what we're offering is is a relationship that is, you know, intimate and transformative and full of grace. And that is one on one and small group conversations to be able to field questions and be in dialogue as Jesus was in dialogue and a conversation with his closest companions all the time. Um, I think we have good reference points. And I think as as a church, as a denomination, we have a great strengths of being able to gather in smaller settings where names can be known and life situations can be shared and experienced together and then have the scriptures and our life experiences to be able to speak to those joys and pains, uncertainties and and celebrations. Yeah, and you
1: know that that may go be back to you know one of our issues as a denomination is maybe we're trying to be who God's not called us to be. We look at the Baptists and Southern Baptists, and there's you know fifty million people or whatever, and oh, we we should be. well, Sometimes you the stay in your lane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is what God's called us to be. This is who God's called us to do, and so we get to have. Um, I I love that I'm in a smaller congregation that I I know people by name and I know their stories and uh, you you go back to talking about the the length of time at a particular place you get to see children grow from from one point to to the next as they come into uh, their lives and grow and begin families of their own and we've got a girl in particular. When I first came here, I mean, just she wouldn't speak to you know anybody, uh, but but to see her grow in her teenage years and through high school and uh, got to encourage her to go to Bethel, and she got to go to Bethel on a bowling scholarship, and, wow. and guess what? Now she's feeling a call into ministry, and she's enrolled in MTS <laughs> for the fall, and I would have never thought that, you know, seeing this little girl when we first came, but uh, this is what God's brought her through and brought her to now, and she's figuring that out and and we get to be a part of that mm-hmm. as her church, uh, to walk with her through that. And the blessing of being able to be here for for 12 years is you know, I got to see that progression and be a small part of it yeah. whatever whatever role that might have been. That's you know, we don't always get to see the fruit of our labor. And that can be disappointing for a lot of people, um, but to just to know that there's even those little moments, as we talked about earlier, that you can stop and treasure and sh- and, and enjoy with with people, you never know the impact that that's going to have on somebody. So we might not see down the road where they made a profession or or what have you, but you get to be in that moment and and share share what you know as the good news, as the hope that we have in Christ. Um, but, but, and then a blessing comes when you are able to see that <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. what's been planted in water begin to grow, you know?
0: Yeah. What a joy to be able to stick around and, and actually see and reminisce of where our journeys have overlapped, our journeys of faith of where they've overlapped. We're, we didn't even recognize it in the moment, but, you know, coming back together or bumping into each other or being in conversation, being in meetings together. And you can look back and go, man, our journeys really have intertwined, even though we've been miles and miles apart.
1: Yeah. And there again, the beauty of the denomination that way. <laughs> yeah.
0: to- or um, if it's not geography that it's time, like you were referring to watching a young person grow into adulthood, grow into a calling and how your journey and her journey and the whole church's journeys individually, collectively, have intertwined, and to watch someone grow and answer a call into ministry—not um, not that we're co-opting, but we're sharing a journey together. Right. I think we forget that in that, and you know, we're more individualistic. I think at times in In North America, specifically, that you know we think about uh, a me and what I, you know, and you know singular pronouns, but from a scripture point of view and from a covenant community, that's not so. and I, I think I think it's helpful to to recall how connected we really are, even when we don't want to be. <laughs> Yeah, that's even, right. <laughs> even when we're barely tolerable, as you have talked about earlier, we're still interconnected. Um, and that's a good thing, all in all. That's right. Daniel, you mentioned uh, on your downtime, um, grabbing up a book and reading. Can you recommend a couple books? to those who listen to Cumberland road, something that you enjoy reading. And let me give you a a caveat. So, uh, the scriptures, the Bible and the confession of faith. We'll just assume those are, are (laughs) your recommendations, but beyond those two, um, uh,
1: the, the last book I read, uh, at the beach this summer, uh, was it's Brad Meltzer is the author, mm -hmm. uh, this book was the Nazi conspiracy. I like to read, uh, and and Brad Meltzer he, he used he had a series on uh, History Channel a few years back um, that was very good. Just walking to, I'm a history nerd. I love that kind of stuff. So that was a very interesting book. And to be honest, those are the kind of stuff that I'll read. Just uh, if I'm reading, it's probably going to be at the beach or something. And so I'm reading to get my mind off of of you know. And relax or whatever. So mm-hmm. I really like Brad, Brad Meltzer kind of book. Those those mystery, you know, we like the police dramas on TV and all those kind of things. So yeah. uh, that's what we enjoy. And that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy reading. I don't have a, uh, here's my my flaw again, I guess. I don't have a great theological book that, to recommend <laughs> to anybody. Although I did read one about uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very good, uh, very informative. Um, and it's one of those you never thought as a kid you'd read, you know, it's 800 pages long and, (laughs) but, um, I have a book, I know which one
0: you're referring to. I can't, well, it's just called Bonhoeffer.
1: uh, It is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can't read the author's name from here, but yeah, it's one of those that is, um, it just has a few pictures in the middle and the rest of it is all text.
1: But it's it's good. I mean, it's engrossing because that's Mm. it's history and it's those people's lives and Mm. and what they walk through. Um, That's that's something that we can learn from is is, what's the old phrase. If you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. We can we can learn from. Um, those in the past, we can learn from our church fathers, and you know the uh, again, that's the the cool story about. We've got an awesome story <laughs> in our denomination, uh, and it's it's wonderful to sit down and to read and to ingest all of that. Um, so, history of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, the people called Cumberland Presbyterian. This they believe. Uh, those are some of the books sitting right over there uh, that. That I've read in the past and 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 go to from time to time again, um, just to just to see who we are and where God's brought us from and brought us to and uh, where He's taken us to, you know. That, um, but not only the church history, but uh, you know, other parts of history as well. Just as a people, all created by God and in God's image and uh, to see what we've chosen to do with that at times. Uh, some of it's good. Some of it, (laughs) some of it, we
0: learn not to repeat. Right. (laughs) right. Uh, Daniel, thank you for giving me of your time and sharing your faith journey. Um, I've enjoyed this. I really have The, the, your, your journey. I hadn't heard it before and I'm really, really glad. I hope you felt comfortable to open up and, and to share. And I did.
1: I was really dreading this, but <laughs> <laughs> but I have enjoyed it as well. It's been a
0: very good, very good morning with you. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, uh, thank you. Honor's been all mine. Thank you for listening to the faith journey of Daniel Barkley. And now, let me close with an affirmation from the Confession of Faith for Cumberland Presbyterians. All who are united to Christ by faith are also united to one another in love. In this communion, they are to share the grace of Christ with one another, to bear one another's burdens, and to reach out to all other persons.